Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with Dan Olson. Dan is a change practitioner and co-founder of Star Collaborative, a professional services staffing firm. He is also one of Minnesota's rising stars in the field of change management. He has recently started a company called Change Guild. With more from Dan Olson, here is Teresa Moulton. Welcome to the Change Management Reviews podcast. Today's guest is Dan Olson of Change Guild. Dan Olson has been a leader in the Twin Cities change management ecosystem for more than 15 years. He will share insights based on his experiences in working with all levels of change intervention, from one-on-one leadership coaching to massive global deployment. His message of change how you change is extremely timely and relevant in today's VUCA world. Dan Olson brings three perspectives to the conversation as he is a change practitioner, a change management talent matchmaker, and a network weaver. He was the chief instigator of the Minnesota Change Management Network, a professional association that nurtures the change management ecosystem and professional community of the Twin Cities. He is also the co-founder of Star Collaborative, a professional services staffing firm that provides high-quality talent for a wide range of professions and industries, including project and change management. Star has been ranked on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing private companies in America three years in a row, and the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal ranks it as the 13th largest management consulting firm in Minnesota. Dan recently left Star to create a new company called Change Guild, a consultancy at the forefront of organizational change management and a driver of Twin Cities change management ecosystem. So without further ado, welcome Dan. Thank you so much, Teresa. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate, uh, actually an honor to be on the, uh, on the podcast, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, been looking forward to it, um, you know, for for a while. I know our mutual uh, colleague Paul Thorson thought that you would be a great fit for this. So thanks again for joining us today. Well, it's my pleasure. And again, uh, thank you. And and I just got to say, uh, people that know me know I'm such a change nerd, and I tend to geek out about change stuff. I'm such a huge fan of your website and your. Uh, all your social media challenges. It really is a must-read for the change practitioner. So thanks to you and Paul for uh, getting us connected. Excellent. I appreciate, I appreciate your uh, compliments there. Um, so, Dan, just to get started, one of the things that I, I like to ask almost everybody who's in the profession is, uh, how did you get into the field of change management? <laughs> That's a great question, and, uh, and I, I love asking that question to folks as well because no one seems to come to it the same way. So right. uh, I, w- I describe myself as the, uh, first and foremost, I'm a bit of a trauma junkie, so I tend to gravitate towards messy projects, which, you know, undoubtedly, uh, you know, are change projects. But, you know, I'm a typical Gen Xer with the uh, short attention span career. Uh, every year, I, I uh, as I was... Uh, uh, maturing in the profession or in, in my career, I switch jobs every year and I try to level up. Well, I kind of found my, uh, my calling in, in doing strategy design and deployments. And as I was doing that, you know, doing things like balance scorecards and, and working with top of house to design 
um, you know, strategic uh, outcomes for organizations. I actually fell in love with the people side of change, which, you know, is what change management is. And I was lucky enough about 15 years ago to find a, a role that actually had change management in the title, and, and that kind of was the start of my, uh, uh, you know, quote-unquote being a, a change manager. So, um, again, it's uh, something I kind of fell into, but, uh, you know, I think the the variety and, and certainly being able to, to play at a variety of levels, whether it's the at helping an individual or a leader or helping at a system or a enterprise level, just it just I think we I think we have an awesome profession and, and there's a lot of work for us to do. I agree. And the fact that fifteen years ago you actually found a job with the word change management in the title is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm lucky in that, you know, here in the Twin Cities, there's such a high concentration of Fortune 1000 companies, and a lot of them very early on believed in change management. So, you know, luckily I, I found a company that uh, was on the forefront of that. They actually had a very progressive OD department, and they saw the need to have uh, a more tactical arm, and so they designed a change management uh, team, and, and that's that was my entry point. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. So as as we had talked about before and, you know, preparation for the podcast, um, one of the things I was really curious about uh, is, you know, what types of topics or, or um, areas of interest do you think are, are most relevant to today's change management professionals? Yeah, and, and, and so people that know me here in town, they've, they've heard my rants, and so I, I'll, I'll share it with you here and for your, for your listeners. And uh, maybe we can get a more uh, broad conversation going on your social media channels about it. But um, I, I think we're lucky as practitioners in that there is a lot of work out there, and it seems to be attached uh, with a high frequency to IT deployments. My concern is that um, a lot of these IT deployments that change management uh, practitioners get assigned to are very narrowly scoped. You know, it's a project-driven mm-hmm. thing. Um, I'm worried that there's strategic decay happening in organizations because these projects are so narrowly scoped. Um, it, it's almost like a game of thrones things in that, you know, if you have a progressive company that ha- has change management resources, there's no portfolio of you that's, that's helping looking look across all of those different projects. And so, you know, you know, for people that will listen to me, uh, you know, I, I get on my soapbox and talk about, you know, if there's multiple change practitioners within an organization, they have to find a way to talk together and, and, and at least be able to share information, uh, you know, things like providing a heat map of, of what departments internally are oversaturated or, or not ready for change, uh, finding ways to bundle messages or communication and training so that, you know, you don't want all these change resources competing with one another. Moreover, you want to kind of force your clients or the the internal teams to kind of take a portfolio view. And sadly, I just don't see HR playing that role. I think they're caught up in a lot of tactical work. And sadly, there's not enough OD teams left in, in big organizations uh, to be able to help provide that portfolio view. So my rant is kind of I see the need um, – for OD, uh, for OD or, or, or change management or let's come up with a new word, you know, is it journey management? Is it change architecture? Uh, you know, there's got to be some sort of portfolio view that, that's, ena- that's enabling um, a holistic view of, of change within the organization because I, I really think that um, 
while it's great that there are change resources deployed, that it, it's just not having the optimum effect uh, that, that they could. It's not providing the best return possible. Mm. So what do you think about project portfolio um, management? I know the PPM has been a topic out on the horizon over the past 10 years. And um, how do you think that the project portfolio management purview uh, plays with, say, the change management portfolio? You know, I think it's a, it's a great point, and it's a good start. Uh, you know, there's also you know, other folks that are kind of dabbling in this too, you know, you see, you know, communication teams sometimes or more enlightened BA teams try to provide uh, some sort of holistic view. But uh, the, the thing that concerns me or I think is absent from some of these systems is the culture uh, aspects uh, mm -hmm. of the organization. And, and, and again, I, I think that HR gets too bogged down with uh, the tactical compliance stuff that, seems to be their mission uh, now. And, you know, we need someone to, to not only be able to, to do the change interventions, but also to, to point out the cultural issues. And, you know, how do we help leaders create a work environment where people can do their best work? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just don't see, you know, it coming from a PM focus or, or any other area. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, we got to be careful. We don't want to get scope creep here. I think... Uh, there's a lot of discussion, and I know uh, Tim Creasy at ProSci talks about all of the change-enabling systems that are out there. You know, you start looking at things like system uh, system thinking or um, solution design process or Agile or, you know, uh, UX, UI. There's all these other things that are out there, uh, you know, lean. All of these tools are great to help in the organization, but there's still, in my opinion, there needs to be that, that OD focus that, that helps provide uh, some guidance and, and portfolio view uh, around culture. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, often, at least in my experience, I've often seen uh, project portfolio management only encompass the projects that are within the strategic purview of the organization, typically mm -hmm. tied to technology, not to the yep. culture, not to the, you know, the other types of um, projects that go on. So I often wonder to myself if a, if a company ever really has a full view of its projects. <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, we shouldn't discount, and, and I certainly don't mean to downplay the uh, existing, um, you, know, uh, you know, within IT teams oftentimes there is a, some limited uh, portfolio analysis, and I, I don't want to downplay that, but... I, you know, it, it's it's almost too hackneyed a cliche to say that the, the rate of change is increasing, uh, but I think that actually the nature of change is is I mean it's starting to from a technology point of view it's it's starting to uh, freak people out at the individual level. I mean, mm -hmm. when you you look at things like uh, AI and and how that might disintermediate disintermediate people. Uh, in roles that we can't even imagine right now, but literally a year or two from now, you might see whole divisions get, you know, or functions within a, a company get, you know, get replaced by Watson. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think there's there's a general fear um, or unsettled uh, feeling within in the workplace right now, and, and I think that, um, you know, from a change point of view, we can help individuals 
maybe become a little bit more resilient uh, mm-hmm. and maybe help them learn to navigate through their own personal change a little bit more. Uh, and so then when we're coming in as change practitioners on projects and we're helping at a system level or a, you know, a, a, from a project view, uh, people are a little bit more responsive and, and they're able to, to, to latch on to whatever these changes are. And then from a, a portfolio view, then hopefully we're coming up with, you know, very strategic and structured, you know, logically planned out, uh, you know, changes so that we're not overly uh, impacting one area within the organization. And really, it's, it, you know, this kind of goes back to my, my strategy design and deployment background, but, you know, you, you can't do too much. You know, there's only so much change you can put in a five-pound bag. Uh, you right. don't want to... You don't want to do too much. And so, you know, again, thinking at the individual, you know, team or business unit and then uh, enterprise levels, you know, thinking of change in all three areas I think is helpful. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And as you um, have been having your conversations and weaving your network uh, around the Twin Cities area, what um, what kinds of topics are coming up about the future of change management? Yeah, great question. I, I think, um, well, one thing I would say is the, uh, if you look at the, uh, the diversity of, of speakers that you've had on your podcast, you know, uh, you've had uh, people talking about coaching at the individual level. You've talked about ethnography, which I thought was an awesome podcast. I, I, I guess I'd use that as a way of saying that I think change is a big tent now. I think there's a lot of uh, areas that uh, we can play in, everything from neuroscience, uh, uh, ethnography, uh, you know, systems thinking, uh, system design, design thinking, lean. I think there's all of these areas that change has a role to play in. And, and again, I want to prevent scope creep. I, I don't think that we should take on all this stuff, but I think uh, I think that there's a way for us to play, you know, facilitator or uh, show other people how they can uh, build their resiliency either at an individual or team level by latching onto some of those things. Uh, mm-hmm. So agile is probably the most um, n- most pronounced thing that I see um, mm-hmm. uh, companies looking for. So over the last eight years. You know, I've probably helped place 75 or more uh, change practitioners into roles. And, mm. you know, over the last three years, I would say that, um, you know, obviously having some sort of, you know, ERP um, experiences is a must-have, but even more so now having an Agile uh, background uh, is helping. And In fact, you know, I coach, when I coach change practitioners on how to, you know, improve their resumes and their LinkedIn profiles, I find that, by having those keywords in there, you know, you can increase the uh, the search response rate on your profile by 25% just by having Agile on there. So that's mm-hmm. what that's what leaders and that's what clients are looking for. Um, you know, not only having a good uh, change method- methodology and change rigor in your background, but also having other things like Lean and Agile uh, mm-hmm. as a background. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, speaking with Jason Little today and. Um, Melanie Franklin last week about the different topics uh, that are revolving around Agile, and it seems as a concept that it, um, it's evolving. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, what is it about Agile that you think is most important to change management professionals? 
I think the the thing that I appreciate the most and what I've seen or my clients appreciate the most is the um, the focus on the client um, mm. and bringing that perspective uh, to the equation sooner and more frequently. Mm-hmm. I think that um, traditional waterfall uh, deployment of any project is too slow. It's too monolithic. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't uh, adapt as uh, uh, as quickly. And I think that the you know the the, the Scrum uh, methodology and the you know stand up meetings and things like that. It from a culture point of view, I think it engages more people uh, more quickly and more often. Yeah. And I think it also brings the right perspectives. And I think that, you know, that agile philosophy can be leveraged also to deal with some of the cultural issues that we spoke of before. I think leaders should find ways to use uh, an agile uh, mentality to, to focus on the individual and teams and to make sure that, um, you know, that they're adapting uh, as quickly as, you know, the environment or the client so that, you know, I know that there's a lot of uh, folks like I think Gallup is probably the biggest uh, proponent of this, but you know, an engaged employee is the most important thing, and that drives uh, better customer uh, engagement. and And I think that using that lean thinking uh, or that agile thinking with employees first then helps deal with some of those cultural issues. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes a big difference. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that uh, Jason pointed out this morning was that sometimes people don't need a big project structure to simply answer a question or get some feedback or you know move wherever they are forward. Sometimes it's just a simple conversation with the right person from the right place uh, at the right time, and and then you know that just kind of evolves into into the action. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that strengthens uh, my comment I made before about building resiliency at the individual mm-hmm. level. Um, if you think about concepts like the business model canvas and and how mm-hmm. you know how you can kind of embed that startup mentality in individuals, if they're out there building a hypothesis and they're testing it quickly and failing fast, they're mm-hmm. a much more resilient person. Uh, you'll find that the interconnectivity amongst team members and other cross-functional teams is a little bit stronger because they're they're um, you know they're, they're they're testing something quickly and they're and they're they're proving it right or wrong fast and I think mm-hmm. that's the type of uh, resiliency individuals need and teams need to deal with you know you use the term VUCA before it's such a I mean that I think that's probably the biggest challenge that that an organization has right now is just all of the you know what the acronym VUCA stands for. Yeah, for everybody who's listening, can you uh, remind them what that stands for? Yeah, so it's it's short for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It's kind of a you yeah. know, a catch catch all phrase for it's crazy out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it really how how do we again? I'm overusing the term resiliency here, but we really do need to and this is kind of the, the punchline I'm using with my new company now, we really knew, need to change how we change. Uh, we have to be faster. We have to be more nimble. Uh, we have to be able to um, respond to the things that are out there. And by proactively addressing, you know, those four terms um, and, and designing a, a, an approach that responds to it quickly, you know, that, that's, 
the folks that do that are going to be able to, to, to process through, you know, to kick it old school here, to process through their change curve faster. Right, right. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second here. In, term, <laughs> in terms of, um, you know, we've talked about the future uh, change management trends. We've talked about some of the challenges in general that um, you see happening right now with how change management and OD professionals engage um, on the project. And so my question, Dan, is about what practices have you seen in change management that just flat out don't work anymore? Oh, wow. Mm. Um, I would say that the uh, very autocratic tops down uh, either the velvet hammer approach of, you know, <laughs> We're just going to muscle through this, and, and people have to change, uh, and they have to put up with the change. It, it, that, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing I see falling flat. Um, you know, obviously, over the last 15 years, as I've been either an internal change person, you know, like I've led the change discipline inside organizations, or as a consultant helping, you know, design and deploy either change resources or, or change methodologies. There's always that conversation about, well, you know, I don't want to spend money on change. You know, that's that's the kumbaya, touchy-feely stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we can just, you know, the change has to happen. We have to deploy the CRP project. Uh, I don't think that that works. Uh, you know, in the past, you know, we used to use that old hackneyed uh, saying that, you know, 70% of all projects fail. I think it, from a risk mitigation point of view, you know, that, that uh, you know, shove change down people's throats mentality just is, is too costly, especially mm. from a culture point of view. I think you're going to drive people, you know, people are so unsettled and scared uh, about the future in general. Mm. As a leader within an organization, you can't have that type of change uh, or anti-change uh, uh, process uh, as you deploy projects. So I, that's probably the biggest uh, concern I have. The other thing I would say is an over-dependence on, um, you know, so for the maybe more green change practitioner, the over-dependence on, on using uh, a, you know, a pencil whip change methodology. You know, mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to learn to be nimble and kind of use what's in the system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I... When I deploy a change resource on a project, you know, I typically tell them to 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 have two things in their back pocket. One is, you know, kind of, you know, revisit flawless consulting by Peter Block and just right. you know, be be tight on the chapter around contracting. You know, mm -hmm. how do you open up good channels of communication? And then and then I say, you know, pull out your ProSite three day change toolkit and just be think of all of the tools that are out there, but don't be rigidly um, you know, dogmatic about how you use it. Use mm -hmm. it as a foundation to be, you know, I, I like to call it change foo instead of kung foo. Use the energy <laughs> of your use the energy of your client and this and the stuff that's in the system that, that will help facilitate change and then sneak in uh, you know the tools as it's necessary. Mm. So it's not a it's not a one tool fits every client and it's it's not yeah. a the whole methodology fits the situation but it's kind of pick the ones that you need to um, help you craft the journey to the next yeah, place I, that you're going. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. In fact, I, I actually uh, call it, you, you need to be a change Illuminati. You have to know <laughs> when, you're, when you're overt or when you're covert with your interventions. You know, sometimes uh -huh. you want to do something that's, 
you know, hey, how about we just how about we add these two things to your uh, your your weekly team uh, meeting agenda, and you know, ultimately it drives a change intervention without them knowing it. And then after the fact, say, hey, here's how we're going to use this data, and here's how you can use it going forward. You know, oftentimes I try to deputize the project managers or or the BAs or the com or training folks to to be able to to leverage some of our our, our change tools in ways that you know since they're always there um, mm-hmm. or they're always on a project at least in that way there's a legacy and and there's you know some embedded uh, change tools there but you know again going back to your point you you have to you have to be uh, clever and overt or covert depending upon the moment and what the client needs right right well we're um we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but I yeah. really wanted to ask you um, one question, that the other question I always ask everybody, which is, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to a newcomer to the change management field, what would it be and why? Oh, you make me... Yeah, make me come up with a Yoda-like answer here, huh? Yeah. Uh, I gotta be, I gotta be wise here. Um, I guess, I, I guess I would say two things. Uh, first of all, and and I say this a lot, um, you can't care more than your client. I think oftentimes we get, mm. as practitioners, we're able to be a level above or a level separated from the emotion or the politics, and and we're able to connect dots and and maybe see a little bit clearer where the client needs to go, uh, and sometimes it, you can't get them there. Uh, mm-hmm. And so recognizing that, um, you know, you can't burn yourself out, you can't burn your political capital, um, you need to know when to say, you know, enough's enough. And, you know, ultimately they, they're going to need to, to change. Uh, and, you may you know, you, you may lead the horse to water, but it may not drink. So that's, right. that's, that's the first one that I, I'm often saying to, uh, change practitioners. The other thing I would say is um, put on your own oxygen mask before you help others. <laughs> I think I see a lot of burnout with uh, change practitioners or kind of that chief of staff role because, um, you know, I think a lot of folks, uh, and again, it goes to the, they, they care, they're passionate, they see the, they see where the client needs to go. So, you know, I, I would say to, this also to leaders too is is you know you have to build that own personal resiliency um, to take care of yourself and you know that includes things as I know this sounds you know so common sense but it's not common practice you know are you are you getting enough sleep are you eating right are you exercising are you mentally prepared um, and are you taking care of yourself and right. I, I'm not I'm not seeing that right now with a lot of change practitioners and and ultimately folks become non renewable resources so. You know, when I, I'm often asked to speak and uh, to, you know, to centers of excellence or, or, or teams about change, and I've actually started to build that message into my presentations because I see so many people just wearing themselves down. So right. the bottom line is take care of yourself, and, and then you can help others. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because um, Change Management Review was the sponsor of the ACMP Global Conference last year. And when we were there in our booth, people would come in and, you know, we'd chat with them about what's going on, what's important. And one of the themes that kept coming up was about self-care for change management professionals. Yeah. And everybody was feeling, you know, the joy that the profession has been 
and is more recognized in terms of the value it brings to the table, but also the pain of how do I actually sustain value for the work that I'm doing with the limited resources available to me, and, and it's kind of hitting me now uh, as a practitioner. So I, um, I have people bring that up since then, so it was very interesting to me that you, you brought it forth on this, on this uh, show today. Yeah, well, I, I think I, I again I have a unique perspective in that you know I'm a I'm a change practitioner myself. I see that happen with the consultants I I deploy, uh, mm-hmm. and I actually see it in the leaders within organizations as well. So, um, you know, again, I think people just aren't taking care of themselves, which again then makes them less resilient, and and that's why I think we see so much uncertainty and, and, and just a level of, of panic or fear or exhaustion within organizations right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been lovely speaking with you. Yeah, great uh, speaking with you. And, uh, again, keep up the great work with uh, the website and the podcasts. And, uh, and, again, I tell all the practitioners that I know that uh, your social media channels are a must-read on a daily basis. So thanks for doing oh. what you're doing. Oh, our pleasure. And I'm, I'm hoping we can have you back again sometime soon. That sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, listening to Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.